Welcome to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in their lives. And it's a place where your questions about faith and religion can be answered. And now, here's your host, Deacon Al. Good evening and welcome to Good News. This is Deacon Al here on Catholic Spirit Radio, and it's my pleasure to talk to you each week on Saturday and Sunday evenings about the readings from our weekend, maybe talk about how they affect us in our lives, and just kind of catch up on some news in the church sometimes, and answer your questions. If you've got a question about Catholicism or about your Christian faith, whatever that might be, I'd be happy to try and answer that for you. You can write us. We have a little email bag here at uh, goodnews at catholicspiritradio.org, and we'd be happy to answer your questions. We've got uh, some interesting readings. Uh, Zephaniah, the prophet from the Old Testament. Uh, Paul, a letter to the Corinthians. And then, of course, we're still in our gospel to Matthew. And it's it's a beautiful one. It's the Beatitudes. How can you go wrong with the Beatitudes? So a uh, big week in the Deacon Al household coming up. After 36 years with uh, a major employer in our area, my wife is retiring. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be very cool. I mean, 36 years. She's been a uh, either working, well, lately working out of the home for the last two and a half years because of COVID. But before then, it was out of the house by about 6, 6.30 in the morning and back about 5 o'clock at night and uh, hard at work. So... Uh, it's I've been I've been retired for a few years now, but she finally uh, decided to pull the trigger and uh, uh, turn in her resignation, and she will be retiring uh, in just gosh forty eight hours. And I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it because we're going to get to spend more time together, and that's important. Uh, that's important in any relationship. Uh, you think about your friends. How many friends do you have that you've never spent time with? How many friends do you have that you don't talk to? You know, communication and 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 presence, uh, this being there is what builds any relationship. And with without that that um, that communication and without that closeness, uh, just being in each other's presence, you're not going to get to know each other. You're not going to get to appreciate each other. And uh, we've been married for over 40 years. So we, of course, love each other. We appreciate each other. But I know that now with her new stage in life, we're going to be able to spend even more time together. And that relationship will have an opportunity to grow even deeper. And I bring that up because the church right now is about midway through a three-year ministry of uh, Eucharistic renewal, bringing bringing Catholics closer to the Eucharist, bringing them back to the Eucharist. You know, it's a very sad thing that uh, they say some 60% of Catholics uh, do not believe that uh, the Eucharist is the true uh, presence of Christ, the body and blood, the, the real transfigured body and blood of Christ. Uh, and that's one of, the, one of the basic dogmas of the Catholic faith. So to say that you're Catholic, but you're you don't believe that the communion you receive is the body and blood of Christ. That's quite a conflict. You know, you really have to straighten that out. And so the church for the last year and a half and for the next year and a half is inviting people to renew their understanding and their, their faith in, in their religion and 
The way you do that is through communications and presence. If you want to form a close relationship with Christ, be in his presence. Be in communication with Christ. And the way you do that is through presence at the Mass, reception of the sacraments, especially uh, the Eucharist, and participation in adoration. And so that's what I, I, I want, want you to think about is how can you really say you have a relationship with Christ if you don't spend time with him and if you don't talk to him? So prayer and mass, which is the highest form of, of prayer and worship that we have in our faith, the reception of, of Christ into ourselves in the, in the body and blood of Christ in the form of communion, and through taking time to sit in adoration. And, and I think a lot of people misunderstand adoration. I know as a, as a child, I thought adoration was truly boring. Just you're sitting in a quiet room and you're just sitting in a quiet room and you're thinking, well, how is this helping me? Well, first of all, you don't have to just sit. Uh, I, I really uh, enjoy reading during adoration. I'll take a, a book on a saint or uh, I'll take something that I'm studying about in, in our faith and I'll take that and I'll, I'll read and study as I, as I sit in the presence of Christ. And people wonder, how can that possibly help? Well, I liken it to uh, a, a beautiful summer day. Who doesn't like a nice warm summer day. And you go outside and you spend out, spend time outside. It doesn't matter if you're just uh, lounging in a, in a chair or on a beach towel, uh, or if you're working in the garden, uh, mowing the lawn, whatever it is, just being in the presence of the sun changes you, physically changes you. Uh, it you, Not only does your uh, your body develop vitamin D and it has other chemical changes on you. You can see after a while, you can see yourself change, your skin tans, or maybe it burns. And you don't have to do anything to create these changes. Just being in the presence of the sun causes you to change. Well, adoration is no different. Sitting in the presence of the Son of God, of, of Christ himself, will change you. You don't have to do anything. Uh, you just have to be there. Just take the time to be in his presence and you will be changed. So that's, to me, that's adoration. That's the amazing part is knowing that, uh, you know, I see the crucifix and the crucifix looks like Christ, but it's not. It's just a piece of art. And then I see the, the host sitting in the monstrance and it doesn't look like Christ, but it is. I, I, I love that, that mystery of, of that. And knowing that just spending time with someone improves your relationship. So just being in adoration, being at Mass, will change you. And it will bring you closer to Christ, which as Christians, that's, that's our whole goal, is to be more Christ-like. So I invite everyone to, to consider your participation in your faith. And what are you doing to really build that relationship? And I want to invite you, as we've talked before, it's time to return to Mass. I, I, was, so, uh, I was so excited. I, I take my mother to see a, a doctor the other day, and we walked into one of the large medical facilities here in town, and none of the staff were in masks. This is the first time. The doctors, the nurses, the, uh, the folks uh, working at the check-in, you know, at the uh, checking counters and things. 
No one in this whole medical facility was wearing a mask. And I just breathed a sigh of relief because maybe people are realizing um, not only are, are we getting through this, but maybe we took some wrong turns along the way. Maybe we did more harm than good by isolating ourselves. And so now we're, we're understanding again how important communications and relationships are and how those masks really interfered with that. We see that especially in our kids. The way this has affected young children is just sinful, really. It's just a crime. And we did, and we did this knowing that we were going to do more harm than good. I really think so. So it was, it was nice to see that, that we're starting to come out of hibernation now and, and hopefully we'll become more and more social again and, and really appreciate uh, how important relationships are in our life. So it's time to come back to Mass, put the fear behind, uh, put the phobias behind. Wear your mask if you're, if you're more comfortable. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. You're still welcome to come. But it really is time to return to a relationship with Christ by attending Mass, by receiving communion in person, not just saying the prayer of, of communion when you're watching a, a television uh, Mass, a televised Mass. And it's time to start attending adoration. I'm sure that there are hours of adoration at a parish near you. Uh, it's easy to find. In fact, if you come to our website here at Catholic Spirit Radio, we have a listing of the adoration hours at all the parishes that that uh, we, we are in contact with, which is pretty much, I think, all of them within our listening area. Uh, we have mass times, and we have confession times, and we have times of adoration. So if you're, if you're ready to come back and you're not sure uh, what time things are being held, come to our website. We've got it all laid out there for you. Um, we're praying for you. We want to see you back. Um, we, want, we want to see your, uh, your relationship with Christ grow even deeper uh, through your participation in, in, in these, church, uh, these church events. We have uh, our readings from this, uh, this weekend, which is the fourth Sunday in Ordinary Time as we count the weeks as we head into Lent very soon. It's coming up really, really fast. We were just looking today that uh, we have Ash Wednesday coming up on February 22nd, I believe. is Yeah, February 22nd, Ash Wednesday. So we'll be into Lent before you know it. So this time, this period of ordinary time is, is a good time to learn about your faith and start preparing for Lent. How many of us wait until... Ash Wednesday to say, what am I going to give up for Lent? What's my sacrifice going to be? You know, what's, what am I going to change about myself uh, to become closer to Christ during this period as we, as we head into Easter? And that, I'm going to offer that, that maybe that's a little late. Maybe that's procrastinating a little much. But most people I know, uh, talk to a lot of folks, will ask them first week of Lent, so what have you decided to be your sacrifice this Lent? Oh, well, what I was thinking about was maybe, uh, I think I'll give up, you know, chocolate. Well, that's, that's nice. But if you're going to go right back to eating chocolate after Easter, you really haven't accomplished much. And, and has that really changed you? Yeah. So this is a good time. Take this, take this next three, four weeks and think about what am I going to do? What new habit, what new virtue am I going to develop during Lent that will Bring me closer to Christ. And I think today's readings are going to help with that quite a bit. 
when I was in the uh, the business world, I was often doing uh, leadership training, management training, things of that sort. And it, it always saddened me that so much of the resources, so many of the materials, when it talked about how to be a leader or how to be successful, it was all based on how much money you made or how much money you made your company. Yeah. How that, that was the determination of success or how, how much power have you gained, you know, through advancements? What are you in charge of? And that's, that's how many of us have been trained since our youth to measure success in stuff, in money, in possessions, in authority, or we measure it by how much pleasure we have in life. Not how much joy, but how much pleasure. And I think that's an important difference that, that we need to look at. There's a lot of things in life that, that would give me pleasure that are not good for me. I love cheesecake. And when I eat cheesecake, I, it, it is great pleasure. But if all I did was eat cheesecake, it would make me sick. Pleasure is fleeting. You know, pleasure is momentary. Joy, joy is forever. So how do, we, how do we search for things that are truly important and not use power and possessions and wealth as the signposts of we're achieving our joy? We're, we're, we're becoming not only a better person in this world, but we're preparing ourselves for the next world, for the next life. And as Christians, we believe there is a next life. And, and we have two choices, uh, smoking and non-smoking section. You know, and I'm, I'm shooting for the non-smoking one. But to do that, you really have to change your paradigm. You have to change your philosophy of life, of what's truly important. I'm not saying that, that being able to afford nice things isn't nice. Or, and certainly not, it's not, that's not sinful. It's being more attached to money than to God. It's being more attached to working yourself up the, the ladder for power and position over relationships with your wife or your children or your siblings. That's where we get into, into problems. When the, when, the, when the pleasures get in the way of what's truly important, the, the, the love of God and the love of family and friends, you're on the wrong track. And although you may have pleasure now, you forfeit long-lasting long joy. So listen to our readings today and, and to what the author is pointing us to as far as what is actually important in our, in our lives. Uh, and it's quite the opposite of what we've been raised to believe. So our first reading is from the prophet uh, Zephaniah, who we don't hear from very often uh, during the liturgical year. Um, but uh, Zephaniah has got some great things to share. So in today's reading, he says, Seek the Lord, all you humble of the earth, who have observed the law. Seek justice. Seek humility. Perhaps you may be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. But I will leave you as a remnant in your midst, a people humble and lowly. Who shall take refuge in the name of the Lord, the remnant of Israel. They shall do no wrong and speak no lies, nor shall there be found in their mouths a deceitful tongue. They shall pasture and couch their flocks with none to disturb them. 
So here he's talking about uh, being happy, being being safe, being sheltered, being cared for through humility, through honesty, uh, things that are far more important than than the wealth and the possessions that, that we think of that makes make us secure. What really makes us secure is our humility before God. In our second reading, we have Paul uh, writing to the, the church in Corinth. And he says, Consider your own calling, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards, nor many powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Rather, God chose the foolish of the world to shame the wise, and God chose the weak of the world to shame the strong. And God chose the lowly and the despised of the world, those who count for nothing, to reduce to nothing those who who are something, so that no human being might boast before God. It is due to him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, as well as righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, so that as it is written, whoever boasts should boast in the Lord. So again, Paul, hundreds of years after after Zephaniah, is reminding us that what's really important is our relationship with God. And that relationship doesn't come through our wealth or through our power, but through our humility. In our our final reading, uh, the gospel from Matthew, according to Matthew, and most of you know this, uh, this is the Beatitudes. You've, you've heard this many times before, uh, very familiar verses. But please listen carefully to, to what it's saying. And again, uh, we're hearing something very divergent from what we were taught as we've, as we've grown up as to what's really important. Uh, but this is the essence of being Christ-like. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven." the gospel of the Lord. So God, this all-powerful entity, the creator of everything in the universe, everything you see and you don't see, who loved us as his greatest creation so much that he became incarnate, he became flesh to spend time with us and to teach us personally. And God didn't come as some great warrior or some great king or some rich nobleman. He came as a a small, defenseless infant and slowly started to share these lessons with us. And in three short years of ministry, gathered thousands 
to follow his teachings. And not what you would call a tremendously uh, successful ministry. I mean, three years, and then he got uh, tortured, cruelly beat up, killed on a, put on a, on a crucifix and, and, and killed, murdered, because he said things like, blessed are the, are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are, are the, the, those who hunger for righteousness. And for these teachings, he was killed. Being a Christian is not an easy thing. It really isn't. The, uh, but here's a good question for you. How many of you listening are saints? Raise your hand. This is a, a magic radio. We can see what you're doing. If you're a saint, raise your hand. I'm not seeing many hands out there. And that's okay, because we're not saints yet. Hopefully, we're working to become saints, but we're not saints yet. But here's the follow-up question. And, and this comes, I have to give credit to uh, Sister Diane. Um, this was actually her question to our, our diaconate class as I was going through formation years ago. And she looked out over the crowd of, of the deacon aspirant, aspirants and the, uh, their, their wives and said, how many of you are holy? We all kind of looked at each other and nobody put up their hands. And we're, we're all there to become ministers of Christ, ordained ministers of Christ. And we're sitting in a group of over 50 people. And we're all just kind of sitting on our hands. And, and I know for myself, I'm looking around the room, I'd say, well, if he's not holy, then I'm certainly, I'm certainly not holy. And uh, she scolded us. She said, shame on all of you. You should all have your hands up, all of you. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm flawed. I'm not holy. I, I make a lot of mistakes. And she reminded us what holy means. And that's set apart for God's use, okay, for a religious use, for a purpose of worship, or, or for God to, to work through you. That's what holy is all about, holy water. There's nothing, there's nothing absolutely unique about holy water that you can measure, that you can see, that you can test and say, oh, that's water, that's holy water. It is for all purposes water that's been blessed by a priest or deacon. What makes it special, it's been set aside for a specific purpose. We use holy water to baptize. We use holy water to bless ourselves as we enter or leave a church to remind ourselves of our baptism. We use it to bless articles, uh, rosaries, Bibles, uh, pictures, religious pictures that people bring us or religious statues that, that people are going to put in their homes. They bring it to us to bless and we use holy water uh, to do that because water cleanses. Right? That's one of the characteristics of water. What makes it holy is that we don't cook with it. We don't drink it. We don't swim in it. You know, we use it for, for purposes to, to uh, give reverence to God, and that's what makes it holy. We are holy. We are, as, as, as Christians, and especially as Catholic Christians, we are holy because through our baptism, we have all been set aside for God's use. He works through us. And our lives should be a testimony to Christ and Christ's ministry. And that's what makes us holy. Holy doesn't mean perfect. It just it simply means that we have we've been set aside, we've been we've been chosen and marked for a specific reason. And that mark comes through our baptism. So 
If I ask again, are you holy? Hopefully, there you go. Everybody raise your hands because we are all holy who are baptized in Christ's name. So if we're going to be holy, if we're going to be set aside for Christ, what are we doing to, to, uh, to earn that, to show that, that we receive that, that we cooperate with those graces? Well, Christ tells us here, you know, a lot of people look at the Catholic faith and say, oh, you're all about rules. Do this, don't do that. And I can see if, if all you looked at was the Ten Commandments, you might think that because that's pretty much what it is. It's, it's 10 major rules of do this and don't do that. It's all about doing or not doing. The Beatitudes, what we're reading today, is about being. Not doing or not doing. It's about who to be, what, what to do, what to be internally. And, and you can't just do that by, by works. It takes grace. It's hard. It's it's hard to be poor in spirit. It's it's hard to be meek and humble and a peacemaker and to be merciful. It's hard. I mean, just look at today's world. Look at the news stories that are on there. It's hard to be a peacemaker. If 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 it was easy, we'd have peace in the world. But Christ is calling you to be part of the solution and not part of the problem through through your internal life, through how you live out your Christianity and let that pour out of you. Um, there's the story of a young girl who goes to her mother and says, uh, Mom, is it, is it true that Jesus is inside of us? And Mom says, yeah, that's true. And the little girl says, and is it true that Jesus is bigger than the whole world? She says, yes, that's true. And she says, well, if Jesus is bigger than the whole world and Jesus is inside of us, shouldn't he show through? That's a good question. And you can ask yourself, does in, in the way you live your life, does Jesus show through you? Does he show through any of us? I know some people who, who are great models of, of Christ and, and Christ's love. And I, I look at myself, I think I, there are things I can improve. So I, I try and take the truths of, this, of these Beatitudes and say, how can I be better at this? How, how can I look more Christ-like? How can I be more Christ-like in my life? And now's a good time to ask yourself those, those questions so that you can start making plans for your Lent. How am I going to change? Not what am I going to give up, but how am I going to change to be more Christ-like so that when, when the Easter celebration comes, when the resurrection of Christ comes, and with, when the return of Christ comes on that last day, I can be ready not to boast in who I am, but to be able to boast in who Christ is. Some things to think about uh, while we're apart for the next week. It's been wonderful sharing time with you. Remember to go to Catholic Spirit Radio. Uh, .org uh, to our website and look for Mass Times, Confession Times, and Adoration. And I look forward to seeing you at church. May Almighty God bless you, protect you from all evil, and bring you to everlasting life. You've been listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in your life. Submit your questions to Deacon Al at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. That's goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. 
Deacon will answer your questions about faith and religion. Thank you for listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio.